Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Caught up with Ian Murray earlier today. He's the chairman at Matador Mining Essex Listed. Uh, junior explorer hunting for gold in Newfoundland, uh, very topical at the moment. He talks us through their 2021 uh, drill program, their plans uh, for growth and their determination to actually build something out here. Um, looking at their track record, should have a good chance of doing that. If you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversation, you can find them at cruxinvestor.com. Ian, how are you, sir? Very well in yourself, Matthew. Absolutely great. We've just come off a bank holiday weekend here. So uh, yes, been most most relaxing. But now we're back to work, back to work. So where in the world are you? Uh, I'm in Perth, uh, Western Australia. But the image behind me is Newfoundland on the east coast of Canada. Very nice. Very nice. You don't sound like you're Australian or from Newfoundland. No, I'm from South Africa originally. Got into the gold mining industry with the South African gold mining industry. Moved to Australia and have had fun ever since in the industry here. Fun. Okay, good. You've had fun ever since. I love it. Okay. Well, look, um, new story to us. We've not met before, spoken before, so I'm uh, excited to learn about this, especially with the uh, the kind of frothiness of Newfoundland uh, projects at the moment. So when you kick off, give us a one-minute overview of the project. I'll pick it up from there. Okay, so Matador Mining, ASX listed, owns what's known as the Cape Ray Gold Project in Newfoundland, the southwest portion of Newfoundland. Newfoundland in the last 18 months has become the new go-to area for the Canadian companies in terms of gold exploration. Five years ago, there was less than 70,000 meters of drilling in Newfoundland. This year, there's over 300,000 meters of exploration, gold exploration drilling. We own 120 strike kilometers of an untested gold shear zone called the Cape Ray Shear. Uh, we've got 840,000 ounces within that, and that's only within a 15-kilometer strike zone. Our total holding is over 120 strike kilometers. So there's 105 kilometers untested. To the north of us is Marathon Gold with their 4.8 million ounces of gold on the same shear zone. So we've got 840, they've got 4.8 million. We've got the gap in between that's never been tested, highly prospective for gold. And we aim to explore, develop and get into gold production. Okay, brilliant. Thanks for that. Um, Ian, can you just give me a rundown of what you've done before, uh, before you kind of uh, picked up this project, if you don't mind? Yes, as I mentioned, I'm from South Africa. I started there with a company company called DRD Gold, or the old Durban Rotopur Deep. I was CFO and then CEO. I saw the writing on the wall for the South African deep level underground gold mining. I moved to Australia. Um, I got involved in a company which was then called Electro Mines. We changed the name to Gold Road Resources. It owned an untested uh, belt, greenstone belt in Western Australia called the Yamana belt. When I got there, it was 5 million market cap. We then did proper exploration, proper targeting, found a 6.5 million ounce deposit called Gruyere. Uh, and that project is now in production. They're producing around 300,000 ounces of gold per year. It's a 15-year-plus mine life. And that company, when I left, had a market cap well over a billion dollars. I retired looking for non-executive positions, which I've got. I was approached uh, by the Matador uh, board. They were looking for to, to bring in a new uh, board, somebody with experience who has done this before. I took one look at the, the tenements, the, the resources they've currently got, the exploration potential in a tier one jurisdiction, and I was sold. So I'm executive chairman here. 
we've built up a good management team. We've built up a very quality board of people that have run junior companies, converted juniors into majors, um, and we're there to do proper exploration and find quality gold projects. Okay, well, proper exploration. That's the interesting bit to me because there's a long line of juniors that just load up with um, you know, board, board positions and NEDs to look the part, but never actually go on to do anything. So talk to me about what proper, running a business properly looks like to you. Because as you say, you, you retired once, you've come out of retirement to look at this. So you looked at the tenements and what did you see? So going back to the analogy with Gold Road. So at Gold Road, when I joined, there was 1 million ounces, which was on the shear zone. And the geologists kept going back and drilling where they had found gold before. And the challenge I put to the, to the geological team is, how do you, I know that you found the best deposit. I know you found the easiest one because you found it, but how have you found the best system? And obviously they can't tell me that they found the best system. So what we did there is we stopped exploration on that known gold system. We did targeting across the belt using magnetics, using, uh, uh, soils, uh, all of that, all of the modern tools that you use uh, to identify the right structures to host gold. Uh, once we had done that, we then targeted, we identified 10 areas for priority testing. The first one we tested delivered the Gruyere deposit, which is now six and a half million ounces in, in, in resource and continuing to grow. Uh, and that's the same thing that we're doing here at Matador. I mentioned the 840,000 ounces. That's where gold has been found, where the mineralization has outcropped at surface. 90% of the tenement that we hold is, has some form of transported cover. It's very shallow. It's been between half a meter and five meters of cover. But that's been sufficient for the explorers up to now, not even bother exploring underneath it. So 90% of our ground has never been tested because of this transported cover. So this year we're flying magnetic, uh, aeromagnetic surveys. We know from the work we did last year that magnetic surveys pick up the structures that host the gold. We've also identified 10 pathfinder elements that'll identify when we, within 100 meters of a gold system. And again, that's been from testing on the known deposits, known discoveries on the belt last year. Um, so the combination of those two strategies will allow us to uh, clarify and identify easier or better, the targets for drilling with diamond drilling. Diamond drilling is very expensive. So, so the analogy I give is, instead of throwing darts at a dartboard, let's use the tools to make the bullseye as big as possible before we throw a dart. Okay. I want to come back, I want to come back to what you're setting out to do, if you don't mind, because we've seen, as you say, there's a bunch of peers. There's a little bit of Newfoundland's become very popular recently, you know, and we've seen, we'll look at Newfound. And uh, gold, whatever, 1.7 billion market, and whatever you think of the way that they put out their, their drill results, they've, they've managed to capture the attention and uh, the, I guess, excitement of, of the marketplace without necessarily having a resource or, quite frankly, um, you know, being clear about how, how they hope, hope to, you know, plan out their drill program. So are you just riding off the back of that? Because if I look at your shareholders, they're like, think, oh, this, we could be a takeout target for Newfoundland gold. That, that seems to be the strategy. What's your strategy? Okay. I really enjoy good exploration. I'm not a geologist, but I've been in the industry long enough um, to know good geologists and what they do. And, and we've got a team of very good geologists in the company. Um, 
Newfound gold, I've got 10 diamond rigs drilling, and they're doing, I think, 200,000 meters of drilling, which is a huge amount of drilling and very, very expensive. But they are worth 1.7 billion. They've got a few hundred million in the bank, so they can afford to spend that money. Our market cap is around 70 million, and end of March, we had $8 million in, in the bank. So let's be smart about how we go about exploration. And that's why I fly the AeroMag to identify the right structures in the ground, then test with uh, auger drilling, which identifies those pathfinder elements. So it's quick and cheap drilling just through the transported material into the top of fresh, but that'll tell us how close we are to where the gold systems are. And then we put the expensive diamond drilling where we get uh, maximum bang for our buck in that drilling, because we know that we're very close to where the gold system should be. So it's being smart about the exploration and more importantly, being smart about how you spend shareholder money because it's very it's, it's hard to raise shareholder money as a junior and you need to spend that money wisely and get and get very good results get the best results you can now and I understand where you're at and the the, the cap, sorry eight million is I'm about to say cash constrained but relatively cash constrained compared to Newfoundland goals obviously so you've got to go things about it a certain way you've got to be smarter with your capital but again going back to what some of the shareholder comments are the, their strategy for you would be just put yourself in a position to be taken out by Newfoundland Gold. But you've created a billion dollar company before. So what's your ambition? Yeah, our, our ambition is to do smart exploration, find economic systems. So at the moment, 840,000 ounces. We've already done a scoping study on it. And that was published May last year, 2020. We've got a seven year mine life. The first four years have an, has an average grade of 2.6 gram per tonne in open pit deposits. So for open pit deposits, that's a very high grade. Um, the average uh, forecast operating cost or ARSD um, cost for that mining is below $800 US an ounce. So off today's gold price, there's a $1,000 forecast profit margin there. So even though we've only got 840,000 ounces, it's very profitable. Um, it's a seven-year mine life. The drilling we did last year showed that we've expanded the known resources. The targeting that we've done has identified uh, 33 new targets that have never been tested on this belt, none of which are prioritized. So our strategy is a dual strategy. Let's expand the Brownfield's known deposits to get to that 10-year-plus mine life, produ producing, and again, it's a thumb suck, 100,000 ounces per year. And those two numbers are key because a 10-year mine life will give you low cost of debt. And given that the project's in Canada, there'll be quality, low-cost debt providers that'll be chasing projects like this. But you need the 10 years so to get those low-cost funders. The 100,000 ounces at that operating cost will give us a very healthy EBITDA, which will fund ongoing exploration, it'll fund repayment of the debt facility, but most importantly, it'll allow us to get into a position of paying dividends to shareholders very quickly. So shareholders will get their return and we'll be able to put money into exploration and we can get rid of the, the banks as quickly as we can. So that's the brownfield strategy. The greenfield strategy, and remember that's another 105 kilometers that hasn't been tested. That's where we could make the breakthrough step change discoveries that may be another half a million, a million, two million ounce, three million ounce deposits. We know Marathon Gold to the north of us has got 4.8 million ounces of gold. At Yamana Gold Road, we had one million ounces of gold. We then found six and a half million ounces of gold. So smart exploration to make these step change discoveries that can elevate you up to a much higher level. If you look at the people on our board, 
Um, Justin Osborne has discovered big deposits before for Goldfields and for Gold Road, and he's developed them. Mick Wilkes used to be president and CEO of Oceana Gold. He's built projects in New Zealand, the Philippines, and in the USA. Um, Nikki Adshat-Bell um, has run Bedell Resources. She's worked for most of the North American broking firms and, and uh, investment houses. She knows what it takes to get projects up and get them built. We've all got the experience to make discoveries and transition those into development and into production. But along that pathway, if a Newfound Gold or a Marathon Gold or St. Barbara came to us and wanted to do a takeover at the right price for shareholders, of course we would look at that. But we're not saying that's our strategy. We're not there to find something, ramp it up and then sell it. We're there to build sustainable value. But if a better outcome comes along our path from one of the other bigger players, we will look at that. We'll do what's better for shareholders. Yeah, okay. And I don't expect every CEO to say that. But I, I'm trying to understand the level of ambition you have. You've got the track record. You've put a, a team together who sounds like if you can deliver the open pit or fund the open pit solution and create some cash flow, you're talking about dividends as well, um, that's a starting process for you as you explore. But your ambition is to build something substantive. Absolutely. We've got this belt that will keep delivering targets. Um, the 33 targets that I mentioned that we identified in 2020, they were based on limited 200-meter spaced lines aeromagnetic surveys. This year, we're flying, flying aeromagnetic surveys at 30-meter spaced lines. So we will get 10 times the quality images coming through, these, through, through the survey we're doing at the moment that will hopefully well, not hopefully, they will highlight even better targets that we've already identified. So, yes, we've got the brownfield strategy, which is the quickest way to get into production at the right scale. And we've got the greenfield strategy that will give us continued growth for shareholders in the longer term. Right, okay. Sorry, sorry to keep digging down on this one because I'm, all I'm trying to understand here is if you are ambitious or you're going to give away the value cheaply because you, you, you haven't got the, the, the patience or the, you know, necessarily want to stay in this for a long time. Because to build these things up, it takes time and you've got to have the commitment to that pers personally and you've got to have a team around you who can actually deliver that. So if we look at the open pit component, you may benefit because of the, or you benefit from the kind of frothiness about Newfoundland and, 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 and the, you know, the peers that you have around you to be able to get that funded. But you're going to need to get that to, you say, a million bucks with a 10-year plan because it makes the money a little bit cheaper, gives the, 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 the money um, a little bit uh, longer line of sight to what, is the, what the potential is. So when do those conversations realistically start? How, when do you get... When do you add to the current resource? Yeah, so we did the the last resource update was May 2020. We did the 2020 drill season, which finished late November, and SA results came. We announced that into February, in, into March. Um, we're going to do the drill season this year, and at the end of the 2021 season, we will look at the, the drilling over, over both seasons and then see what the resource size looks like. But the simple rule is as long as you're growing the ounces through the drill bit, you keep drilling. Because if it's costing us, let's call it $15 an ounce, and the market's valuing us at $100 an ounce, keep doing that because it's the cheapest way to add value for shareholders. But in parallel with that, 
keep the project studies going on in the background so that when you get to that point that the board says, this is it, you've got the right size to move from scoping study, which we currently have, to pre-feasibility study, all that other study work has occurred in parallel and you can just pull it all together for your pre-feasibility study. But the key thing is as long as you're growing resources through the drill bit, the best thing for shareholders is to keep drilling and keep adding value. Well, that seems to be a flavour of the month. If we look at the, the great bears, Newfoundland Gold, that, that's, what they're, that's what they're doing. It seems to work in the marketplace. So you're in no rush to actually get into production. You talked about dividends earlier as if, as if that might be the case. I mean, so how, how do you weigh that up about when to press the button? I get if the drill bit keeps delivering, keep going, but there's, do you plant a flag in the sand at some point? Uh, it's, it's all when the drill bit stops, stops delivering and you've expanded that growth. Um, that's when you that's when you stop. As long as you're continuing to drill. So as an example, uh, let's assume we drill and we prove up another 300,000 ounces and then we do the pre-feasibility study. The market thinks that's that's you've capped out. That's the maximum ounces on the belt, which is not true. Um, keep exploring, keep adding to it because this belt, given that there's 4.8 million ounces to the north of us, we could have multi-million ounces on our belt. And we're only going to find it through using the, the smart technologies together with the uh, diamond drilling. So what, so what happens now? So obviously you've got a scoping study that's you know joke compliant because you're Aussie. It's not a PEA. So what can you tell us about what you uh, hope to do going forward? Yeah. So we've got the uh, PEA done, and that's the seven-year mine life, just short of 500,000 500, ounces mineable. Uh, payback period of just over one year compared to a seven-year mine life. Uh, CapEx of around Australian 140 million, NPV close to double that. So the ratios are good. So the key ratios is what's your payback to mine life? So just over one year relative to seven. What's your NPV relative to CapEx? And you normally want that to be a factor of 1.2 and higher. Here we're talking a factor of close to two. So the economics for the PEA or scoping study are very, very good. We're busy doing all of our environmental st uh, study work. Uh, we will be submitting our environmental assessment uh, in early 2022. So the, this season, we do the final uh, study, environmental study work and monitoring work. That all gets written up and we submit that in 2022. Uh, that could take six months to be assessed. And then we're ready and the project has got its uh, environmental approvals. And then we can press the button on permitting and developing at any stage after that that we want. But at least we know that we've done all that hard work. You're going to do three to four years of, of, of uh, historic study work to get to that point. And we've done it. We're, it's not as if we're just drilling. We're doing all that study work in parallel. We've done metallurgical test work. Um, we, uh, we're getting 95, 96% recoveries on this, on this uh, ore body. So there's very good recoveries using the stock standard crushed grind chemical recovery, uh, the normal CIL recovery. So there's a plus gravity recovery. So it's a, it's a normal ore body that gives you the good recoveries. Uh, we've got the environmental assessment work carrying on. So that'll be finished at the end of this year. So we will be ready to do a pre-feasibility study once the board agrees that the ore body and the mine life is adequate. Right, okay. Thanks for that. And so there's this constant debate between, you know, you've got companies that come and say, oh, we're going to get into early production because it gets some cash flow and it allows us to 
develop our expansion. But you're saying, you know, that as long as the job that keeps delivering, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. So what, what does that debate internally look like? You say you've got to put yourself in a position where you could get into production if the timing's right. Or do you say, actually, no, I'd rather keep drilling and creating value that way? Because b- both create value. What you want, you know, people talk about a re-rate for producers, et cetera. But h- how do you weigh that discussion up? And that's why I go to the, the thumb suck numbers, thumb suck numbers that are, that uh, we've set, which is let's get to a ten-year mine life at around uh, hundred thousand ounces of gold per year, because those two numbers get you the lowest cost of debt and give you the a, a very good EBITDA. But let's assume that in the next two years, while we're delivering on that strategy, our regional exploration program comes across a system which is one kilometer long. It's from surface down to two, three hundred meters. It's running at three, four gram per ton. So it could be open pit and then underground potential as well. And back of a cigarette box, uh, the exploration potential of this brand new discovery could be two million ounces. Um, do we stop that exploration and go into development of 100,000 ounces a year? Or do we say, let's look at what this new project can add to our existing project? and then develop one much bigger project for shareholders. So I think that's, you never know what's at the end of a drill bit, but we know we've got 840,000 ounces. We know we can continue to grow the brownfields deposits in our 15 kilometer area. And that's where we're talking the 10 years, 100,000 ounces. But we're also doing the regional exploration, which could deliver these wild cards and escalate this company to a much bigger market cap. And whether we like it or not, to be a much bigger takeover target for, 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 for the major players in, in, in North America. So um, keep, drill, keep expanding our brownfields, but let's see what we can find through the greenfield because it just has not ever been explored before. I know you've just listed on OTC uh, QX. Do you think, yeah. which makes me wonder, you know, when I look at some of the peers around you, some of the, some of the valuations that they're, they're achieving, are you suffering by being an ASX company? Oh, no, we, we definitely are. For two reasons. The first reason is Australian investors are spoiled for choice when it comes to gold projects. There are so many quality gold projects in Australia that they don't need to look at investing in Australian companies that are investing offshore. And there are no other Australian companies invested uh, or have tenements in New Finland. So we are unique. So that's the one challenge. And we are educating the Australian investors and there are a number of them who do play the TSX and the ASX market, and they can see how cheap we are relative to, to the TSX peers in Newfoundland. The second thing is from a North American investor perspective, they've got so much choice of TSX companies on Newfoundland, why should they go and invest via the ASX to get exposure back to the island? And again, it's an education process to point out how cheap we are together with the good systematic thought through exploration strategy that we're implementing. We've done it before. We've delivered significant discoveries by applying this approach in Western Australia under much thicker cover. So the cover's not a challenge. Uh, We can do it again in Newfoundland. Uh, It's a tier one jurisdiction. So from an investor perspective, low risk from a country country, uh, point of view. Um, So that's why we traded that discount. So yes, we have listed on the OTC, so we're trading at the same time zone as our Canadian peers. And certainly when I mentioned earlier, DRD Gold or Durban Rotopur Deep, that, uh, that company was listed on NASDAQ 
through the ADR program. And we used to trade uh, 500% of our equity per year through NASDAQ. 90% of the shareholder base was in the US and primarily the retail investors. So I do recognize how powerful the US retail gold investors can be. And we will certainly be doing a lot more marketing in North America aimed at the retail investors and institutional investors. Um, Ian, so what do you think about the valuations that we're seeing in Newfoundland at the moment? The, do, you, do you feel they're uh, justified? It all depends what what people discover. So you've got uh, newfound, newfound gold at, at 1.6, 1.7 billion, but they're getting three ounces a ton in the drill bit. Um, I don't know what their resource target is, but that is very high grade and should be very economic um, mining uh, from, from, from what they're discovering. You've then got Marathon Gold with a market cap of around uh, 900 with about $300 million of cash, I think. Um, and they've got a 4.8 million ounce deposit that they're developing and they will be a gold producer. So in terms of are they overvalued for, for new found gold, it depends on how many ounces they find. If they find two, three million ounces at very low operating cost, no, they're not overvalued. From Marathon Gold's perspective, producing 200,000 ounces of gold per year for a 10-year-plus mine life at a very healthy EBITDA, they'll be, they, they won't be trading uh, in excess of NAV. They'll be trading at a discount of, to NAV. Um, so I think what's really happening in New Finland is 12 months ago, Hardly any investors knew about Newfoundland, especially gold in Newfoundland. I think historical gold production out of Newfoundland has been 2.3 million ounces in total. So it's not known as a gold jurisdiction. However, thanks to what Marathon has done, thanks to what Newfound Gold has done, it is now on, on the map of North American investors and we are educating the Australian investors to make sure that they're aware of what's happening over there. It is the hottest property in North America at the moment. And it's great that we've got a, a piece of the, of, of, of the tenement holding there on a highly prospective uh, shear zone. Um, so I'm not sure that these guys are overvalued. I just think it's the market's waking up to what the potential could be. Okay, Ian, I appreciate your time today. Thanks for running through that. Um, I guess we'll stay in touch and see how you get on with the 2021 drill program and uh, what you do about it. Appreciate your time. Pleasure, Matthew. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.